Yes, now to our regular look at the people and projects moving towards a low-carbon future. This week, the urgency of the transition was a top-order security issue, an interesting emphasis, at the Sydney Energy Forum held this week. The International Energy Agency, the IEA, and energy ministers from countries like the US, Germany, India and Australia came together, all seeking to collaborate on securing renewable supply chains and their related critical minerals. Now, an Australian company that'll soon mine rare earths needed for wind turbines and electric vehicles signed a significant agreement at this important forum with the giant GE Renewables. Gavin Locke is managing director of that company, Arafura Resources. Hi, hi Gavin. Good morning. Very very me. early in Perth, thank you. <laughs> and Tennant Reid was also at the conference. He'll take us through some of the key issues raised. He's a policy analyst with the Australian Industry Group. Hello there, Tennant. Good to be with you. Uh, look, this didn't look like your average renewable conference. Uh, given you attend these meetings all the time, what was different? Uh, so this brought together uh, ministers, uh, industrialists, uh, energy market operators, a, a lot of people from around our region and with a, a very unique focus on not just growing the supply chains because we, we need to massively increase the minerals, the componentry and the energy flows to make this transition happen, but to diversify those supply chains because today uh, an awful lot of them run through China that's not just a matter of, of geopolitical uh, uh, concern, but uh, we have seen in the last couple of years how having uh, one big point of failure in a supply chain can be a big vulnerability when something goes wrong in the global economy uh, or just in um, regional uh, disasters. So a lot to be done to diversify and grow these supply chains. Yes, I noticed that um, the Tony Boyd Chanticleer on the Financial Review, he uh, was surprised that there were no Chinese invited, people invited, given that they clearly are so important in this, whether you like it or not. He said, you know, he mentioned it several times. Why couldn't the organisers have thought to invite them? Was, was it part because, I don't know, the answer was that US was there well, and didn't like it or what? In some ways, this meeting is an outgrowth of the Quad uh, diplomatic oh, um, relationship that between the US, India, Japan and Australia, which is about, uh, I guess, to some degree, balancing China. So it, it wasn't surprising uh, that China uh, wasn't uh, present at this meeting, but they were never far from anyone's lips. Uh, they have currently about 80% of the supply chain for solar power, uh, and the IEA projects that if nothing changes, they'll have 95% of it by the end of this decade. That's not just a matter of subsidies. China is genuinely very good at solar, uh, and in part they're so good because uh, a lot of people uh, have come out of the University of New South Wales yes. uh, and gone on to change the world from China. That's a good news story, but given how much growth we need yeah, in solar and many other of these industries, 
it's quite important that more of that growth take place outside of China. And I gather there's some quite interesting writing in um, Renew Economy about this, that they also had in the early 2000s a lot of big American capital, and I ask this because we're obviously going to need that as well. Big American capital was plunged into China and there basically was a sort of a presumption that there were going to be a lot of people using this, so everything geared up. So you need this economy of scale and almost cycle psychological shift to occur, according to what I've read. Do you you agree with that? Absolutely. The expectation of how much demand there's going to be and the firmness of that expectation is incredibly important because uh, the the time it takes to build a new factory for uh, solar panels or for making batteries is, you know, it's it's not that long. Uh, You can get them up and running in a couple of years if you really pull out the stops. But to get the mines planned and permitted and built to produce the lithium or the cobalt or any of the other materials that go into these projects has a much longer lag. And Mm. to get that scale, uh, the uh, investors need to be super confident that the demand is going to be there uh, eight or ten years down the track. And they are now – a high premium on – climate and energy ambition and policy certainty, not just within Australia, but in the markets that, that we want to uh, to serve around the world. And then they've become, and I'll come to Gavin just a moment, but the point is they have now become very skillful, haven't they, I understand, the Chinese, at making panels yes. and turbines. So all of this has kicked in to their advantage and it's suddenly stunned people just what sort of advantage they have. A lot of uh, countries hoped to build a solar industry in the past 20 years. Uh, Germany did, the United States did, uh, and uh, they did amazing things. We did amazing things in terms of creating the demand that brought these costs down. But most of the supply growth wound up taking place in China Gee. so far. Mm. Now, Gavin, I could bring you in here. Arafura Resources has been working to develop a rare earths project near Alice Springs to get into this. Can you tell us a bit about that and why it, it matters? Yeah, sure. Look, uh, just uh, as we just heard, China dominates the, the rare earths market. And what they've done over the last 20 years is actually develop the industry all the way through. So they're the only country in the world that can mine for rare earths and produce a wind turbine and produce an electric vehicle, whereas the rest of the world has really not filled in all those steps. And so um, having alternate supply of rare earths, and in our case, it's uh, two particular rare earths, neodymium and praseodymium, NDPR, which go into the high-performance magnets, which drive go into these motors, um, having alternate supply is just part of the world's, um, you know, drive for diversification away from the one supply chain. Uh, and I, I think, you know, COVID really highlighted the issue that um, when factories in China shut down, um, you know, automotive makers in in Europe had to shut down their plants, not mm-hmm. because they couldn't get um, motors or cars or vehicle bodies just because they couldn't get the magnets to go into the the the, um, the engines. Yes. Now, I read the other day, I think, that Turkey has made this huge uh, discovery of rare earths. Um, yours is a big... Um, you've, you've got a lot of rare earths, haven't you, in, in your project, um, and you've got all the approvals in place to, to start construction next year. So is this a long-term project? 
Yeah, look, they all are, as uh, as we also just heard. Um, you know, we've we've been developing the Nolans project. Uh, we listed in 2003, if that gives your, Gee, uh, your, your, your audience. Uh, <laughs> An overnight so success. Just, yeah, that's right. Um, you can't simply just go out and drill a hole and think you've got a de- deposit. That's only a part of the whole process. You then have to actually develop the flow sheet to be able to extract these minerals because... Each deposit is geologically slightly different. And so, um, for instance, we couldn't just simply dig up our material and send it through another uh, producer's plant because it just wouldn't uh, achieve the recovery. So these things do take time to develop and they're capital intensive, which is where, you know, the the, the bigger community, the wider um, Australia's uh, key trading partners like the US uh, need to step in and, and help fund these projects because typically they're being explored for and discovered and developed by uh, by the smaller end of town. What? Where did you get your capital from? If... Um, from a lot of very patient shareholders, to be perfectly honest. Um, Onshore or know, offshore? Uh, it's been a mix. Uh, in recent times, uh, we've probably um, attracted um, investment through uh, places like New York, Hong Kong uh, and London. Uh, but also, you know, the, the domestic market has been very supportive. And, and what we're seeing now is as um, a lot of funds and a lot of investors are turning towards um, looking at their ESG requirements and their portfolios um, and looking for renewables to replace, I guess, fossil fuel investments, uh, they're starting to look at um, where can they invest in the uh, renewable sector and, and it makes sense. Australia's endowed in, in critical minerals, so invest in the Australian market. Gee, that is patient capital required though, isn't it? Um, <laughs> and and you've just signed, I understand, an important sales agreement with GE Renewables and also with the car maker Hyundai. How significant mm. is this then for you? Oh, look, in order for us to uh, attract uh, debt financing in particular, we need obviously uh, creditable uh, sales contracts in place. And, you know, to have the likes of Hyundai and, and GE, you know, we're just delighted to be able to attract, uh, you know, companies of that calibre uh, to our project. And I think it's it's a good endorsement of, uh, of Arafura and its team that um, these companies are willing to put their name to us. And you've been uh, so, draw- you've you know, been drawing a salary over all these years, like you haven't been living on the smell of an oily rag. I take it. No, that's right. I've been I've been drawing a salary, but um, you know, it's uh, you know, we've, but the we've big kept the, the big turned. yield is still to come by the sound of it. We certainly are hopeful, and uh, look, you know, as I've been doing this for sixteen years now at Arafura, and uh, look, I, I I firmly believe that geopolitically uh, and economically, the market is really ripe now for this project to to get funded and, and get underway. And as you said, we're we're targeting constru- uh, construction next year and production by twenty twenty four. And just lastly, um, I presume you'll process these minerals here in Australia, or will you do the usual Australian thing and ship them off? No, that's a very good point, actually. We are actually going downstream. So, um, yep, we're we're doing what uh, the previous government called modern manufacturing. Uh, So we're actually taking the the mineral concentrate out of the ground, putting it through a whole series of hydrometallurgical processes. We're going to do this 130 kilometres north of Alice Springs. Um, uh, We're fully permitted, as you you mentioned. Jobs? And, um, yes, look, in construction, about 700 jobs and then in full... Full production, uh, probably about 300. Right. Okay. Um, now, Tennant, 
uh, it is interesting, again, when you look that I think we've made, there are 60 million solar panels, I think Chris Bowen told the, um, the energy minister told the uh, forum, 60 million solar panels now uh, in, uh, on our roofs, 1% of them are made in Australia. Um, I mean, that's, that's right. a shocking, that's a shocking statistic, isn't it? Surely we can, can we do better than that? Well, so we have a delicate balance to strike in this energy transition because there's an old-fashioned view that Australia is just good at digging things up and shipping them out and uh, manufacturing is, is a relic of the past. That is wrong. But we're also not going to be able to do everything locally. We do have advantages from trade. So the, the question is, which parts of this uh, global need for much more solar panels, batteries, uh, electrolyzers, and so much more, which parts of that can we best do here uh, and move the needle globally on the supply? Uh, now, is it going to be solar panels? I don't know. Uh, a lot of a, a lot of solar businesses in China have gone bust. Uh, that is a, mm. uh, a cutthroat business that's very good for customers. It's not been a great business to be in. Uh, but uh, can we do more in the world of batteries? I think we can. Uh, can we uh, help uh, J uh, Japan and Korea with their energy security challenges uh, by making uh, maybe ammonia, uh, maybe uh, direct reduced iron uh, here, uh, we probably can. Um, the world needs more and the the solutions that are available uh, to many today, like there is a scramble for coal and gas in Europe at the moment mm. as they confront, Germ uh, confront Russia, Russia. Uh, but that's incredibly expensive. Uh, as well as high emitting, um, we do need to accelerate the transition to renewables, uh, to energy efficiency, to hydrogen and more. Uh, but a lot of things have got to scale up to deliver that. But that sounds like very much a sort of diplomacy issue. I mean, you're really a diplomacy issue. You know, the sort of thing that's talked about at security conferences about firming up relationships and uh, and all manner of interactions which involve politics. Is that That's really what you're foreshadowing by the sound of it. Oh, absolutely. Look, um, Germany... Uh, sees its national security at threat right now, uh, and they are taking some big decisions off the back of that. We've had a lot of discussions within Australia about the social licence for uh, major projects. People don't like big transmission lines near them. They don't uh, necessarily like energy mega projects near them. Germany is preemptively approving uh, a whole bunch of LNG import terminals and saying government will cover any liabilities. They're stripping back environmental assessments on new transmission lines and wind farms saying if it doesn't actually kill an endangered species... Okay. Like, go ahead. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, all right. they are desperate. They, so yes. energy security, national security and climate protection are going together. You certainly, certainly get that sense from, from being over there and reading. Look, thank you, gentlemen, very much indeed. Um, Tenant Reid from uh, the AI Group. Gavin Lockyer, thank you to you. Good luck at Arafura Resources. You're welcome. Thank you very much. We'll be back after eight and I hope you'll join us. It's news time. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines 
on the ABC Listen app.